Before we get started, here's a quick message from our sponsor, Content Square. How do you create digital experiences that keep visitors engaged all the way to conversion? By analyzing every click, tap, scroll, and swipe, and turning these insights into profitable actions. Content Square is a digital insights platform that helps businesses understand how and why users are interacting with their app, mobile, and websites. Trusted by leading fashion and luxury retailers worldwide, they have helped hundreds of teams accelerate their reactivity and boost ROI with smart, instant UX insights. Learn more at contentsquare.com. Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes, and on this episode, Joanna Griffiths, the founder and CEO of NYX, discussed why she pulled her brand out of wholesale retailers, the future of inclusive sizing for lingerie brands, and the power of brand ambassadors. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, of course. So we are here at NRF. Um, it's, a big, it's a big show. What's the most interesting thing you've heard? Oh, my goodness. Um, I sat on a pretty cool panel yesterday, I thought, and mm-hmm. the people on the panel had interesting things to say. So it was all about gender equality in marketing and what brands can do to further the conversation around gender equality. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, inclusivity, pushing that conversation forward, and, and also just communities in your in your customers are it's like I've heard the word community a lot yeah for sure I've been hearing that a lot too right I think yeah. it just means though you know who your customer is and you know how to talk to them in a way that's kind of more human than than retailers could in the past yes. how do you guys define that um yeah I think it's about building human connection mm-hmm. and treating your customers as real people instead of some object or thing on a spreadsheet um creating conversations and spaces where people feel safe. Those are all things that we use to sort of define community internally right. at Nix. Right. Yeah. yeah, so tell me about you know where, where sure. Nix is right now and you know how you kind of look at its growth trajectory and basically the machines that are working behind that. Yeah, great. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar, Nix is a direct-to-consumer intimate apparel brand. We're on a mission to empower women to be unapologetically free. Mm-hmm. And so what we believe is required to do that is number one, products have to change. So we really take an innovation approach when it comes to new products, really thinking about women's lives, thinking about the changes and phases that they go through, and then reinventing from the product standpoint, and then creating a brand that truly represents women for who they are, multifaceted, smart, capable, dynamic human beings, right. versus some of the messages that I think have been portrayed for a long time within the intimates category. Right. So so would you say right now you're you're playing in the Victoria's Secret void right now? <laughs> I don't know. I think, you know, to be honest with you, I think we're playing in our authentic space that we've been playing in since the very beginning Mm -hmm. and um the void is kind of building around us like we've used our customers in our photo shoots since 2013 we've been size inclusive since the beginning it's not none of this is a response to what another brand is doing but i will say that um as the years go by and the traditional incumbents sort of continue to stick in their ways mm-hmm. and not necessarily respond to what customers are looking for, right. the opportunity becomes bigger and bigger for us. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so it seems all very timely, mm-hmm. which I like, it seems great for, right. for us, but <laughs> to be honest with you, it's sort of been what we've been doing since the very beginning. So. Right. right, so so you started in, what year was it? Yeah, 2013. 13. Yeah. So you started in 2013, so it's been 
you know, a little over five years. Yeah. And how do you look at, you know, just how the business strategy has evolved? Like what was working back then and how have you, you know, like you said, like any retailer that, that kind of doubles down on one strategy and, and doesn't move is not going to last. So even in the yeah. last five years, what's changed about, about the business and how it works? I mean, so many things have changed for us. So when I started NYX, um, we started with one very specific product that was addressing like a huge gap in the market. So we started with leak-proof underwear. That's mm-hmm. the first product that we started with. Now we've really evolved to be more of a category player. So um, really looking at the category as a whole and seeing, okay, what other products need to be reinvented. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a huge change for us. When I started, we ended up being in wholesale in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So the first three years, we were really um, a wholesale brand. So we were carried in seven or 800 retail doors across North America. Um, so seven or 800. Yeah. Oh, wow. So a lot. Yeah. I mean, like to be honest with you, the last time I was in the Javits Center was for Curve Expo, the lingerie trade mm-hmm. show, like four years ago. Nice. <laughs> so you had the trade show experience. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was like a trade show warrior for the first couple years. Um, and so we saw um, initially a lot of success in those channels and ended up following that path. Um, and then ultimately decided that there was a better path for us. And mm-hmm. so about two years ago, made the decision to be to transition the business entirely to be 100% online. Mm-hmm. So pulled out of all of those retail doors, wow. totally built up a new team from the beginning. So mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, I feel like this is my second company. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> it's I, entirely different. Because it's entirely different. Mm-hmm. Like the supply chain's different, our partners are different, the entire team is different. Um, but I'm a lot happier in this iteration than I was in the previous one. So why is that? It's the connection with the end consumer. Mm-hmm. Like I think um, it's the ability to have conversations in real time and to talk to our end customer and understand what she likes and doesn't like and what she wants to see from us and just that constant ongoing feedback. Mm-hmm. I found it really challenging when we sold to wholesale that you were always interacting with a middle person. Right. And so they acted as the gatekeeper, but you never knew what information was coming directly from your from your end customer. Mm-hmm. Did you know, like, like how, did they ever explain like, okay, here's why we're making the decisions that we're making or give you an idea of the customer that they had in mind for your brand? It depended on the retailer. Mm-hmm. Like when we were selling to a lot of independents, honestly, sometimes they didn't, like the systems were so antiquated, they didn't even really know what they were selling or it was crazy Mm -hmm. you know we're talking like (laughs) sending faxes to send through orders and like it's very old school Uh the more established players like the department stores obviously had a lot Mm -hmm. more information and I think we're more at the forefront Mm -hmm. but one of the biggest things for us and one of the reasons why we ultimately decided to pull out of that channel was that um no one wanted to carry our size range Mm -hmm. and so from the very beginning, we've always offered from a size zero to size 22. Um, we never changed our pricing depending on size, which at the time was like different for the industry. Oftentimes people would expect like, oh, okay, well, are the larger sizes gonna cost more? And our which, answer was like, right. no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, what we found was that our customers, like the more bold we got in our marketing and the more we started communicating our messaging around inclusivity and community mm-hmm. and all these buzzwords, mm-hmm. um, the bigger the disconnect was between like us really wanting to serve all women mm-hmm. and a lot of the retail partners just right. not being there yet. Right. And from the customer's point of view, that's how your brand is showing up. They'll never know what's happening in the conversations. Exactly. So exactly. It's kind of detrimental if you're, you it, know, it a, ended a up being detrimental. Mm-hmm. Like the dollars that were coming in were not worth 
the emails that were coming in from women saying, you know, I drove to three or four stores, none of them carried my size, now yeah. I feel really badly about myself. It was just such a disconnect. And, you know, we weren't going to be the ones who weren't in a position of power to kind of change the buying structure, ever change the strategy. It's interesting now what's happening. Like, I think a lot of people are coming around. Because it takes power and money numbers. And there are a lot of brands that and in those 30 days that we did our campaign, we sold way. more and than I think we had when, in the first couple of Especially, you know, sitting at a, and that was like at a show like this, you hear like so often. Yeah. Like, it's more like a smack across <laughs> the face, <laughs> to be There's never been a better than a light bulb. And, retail and, retail um, and dead. so that was, like, that, that was me going into like, holy cow, this is something that people want to buy online. And at the time, yeah, it was about 70% of our sales were coming from wholesale, 30% were coming from online. And we took, did a lot of the work that no one sees around changing the infrastructure. So we changed like 3PL partners, we changed manufacturers, we changed ERP systems, we changed platforms for our online store, and then relaunched in the fall of 2016 to be direct to consumer first and rolled the dice truly um, and said no to a whole bunch of people. But in the end, it's, it's paid off. So said no to like, yeah, like I mean, I feel like what ends up happening is the second that you decide that you don't want to do something, everyone wants you. Everyone wants you. <laughs> so there was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of partners that we've been trying to work with for a long time that were like, "Oh, we're ready. We really want to do this." And we're like, "Well, we're not right. doing it anymore." <laughs> um, and so I think that was probably the hardest part was like sticking to our guns. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, for an eighteen-month period, I feel like the only thing I did was say no. Right. Well, but it's good. It's yeah, good to be able to be yeah, in that yeah, position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And has the business grown overall since then? It has totally. Yeah, which yeah, I yeah. Think says a lot. Yeah, we've grown. I think two thousand percent over wow. the past twenty-seven months since we made that change. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a. We definitely made the right the right call. Right. Um, and then we have. It's just so much more fun now. Absolutely. Too. And, yeah. And because you, you know, when you get emails from any customer who is unhappy or, or whatever they can you can you have the power to do something about it you're yeah. not in the you know subjected to the whims of a buyer at a department store so what decisions have you been to make what changes to the business uh since you know the you have all the control now yeah so um expanding into new product categories like on our own terms has been a big one so making the shift where um we're constantly introducing new products and and to be honest with you, being able to do that on our own schedule has been huge. Mm-hmm. So being able to wait to get a product right mm-hmm. instead of adhering to someone else's schedule. Right, right. We were just talking about this. We moved immediately moved to monthly color drops. So always having newness and not sort of doing these two big shipments a year, but mm-hmm. instead constantly refreshing. We've used customer feedback a lot in our projects. So um, an example of that is we launched a team line a little over a year ago, it's called Nixteen. Mm-hmm. And when we were entering into bras for that particular brand, we went and um, solicited feedback from over 50,000 teens to hear what they wanted from bras and then use that information to go and create them. Mm-hmm. So just being a lot more responsive and um, continuously listening to feedback. like. It's to the point now where if you, we just redid all of our packaging, but like if you look at our product packaging, it says inspired by Nikki in New York, oh, you nice. know, because like all of these ideas are coming from our customers. Right. And so, so it's those other little touches that yeah. you can do. Um, and you said you rebuilt your team. So how did you make different hiring decisions? Like yeah. what positions did you need to fill? Whereas it might not have been such a priority before. Yeah. So um, I think... I mean, across the board, we've we've added to our team. So a lot more focus on 
um, our marketing team. So whether that's like digital marketing or brand marketing, we've built out our own creative services team in-house. So we produce all of our own videos and photography. Mm-hmm. So that has been a big shift. Um, scaling our customer empowerment team has been a big part of it. So and your customer empowerment team is at customer like service. service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we call our customer service team. So that's been a big part of uh-huh. it. Um, yeah, and then just bringing, bringing the right kind of leaders to the table mm-hmm. who are like approaching things with a new way of thinking. Yeah, would you say that those people are, like did anyone come from like traditional retail backgrounds? It was all no. kind of like that outside perspective. Yeah, the only, aside from our product team, mm-hmm. where we have like designers who have come from more traditional backgrounds, right. almost every single person on our team is is new. And mm-hmm. I mean, we're based in Toronto, so that might be a byproduct of it as well. Right. There isn't like a huge industry to pull from. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's interesting because especially for the category you're yeah. in, whenever you, you think about the size range and just like the, the retailers who, who don't want to carry the full range, it, it makes sense. But it's interesting to think of it as an, a, an Intimates brand because I'd be interested to hear like what that did to the collection um, of like the styles because it's not much like a like a fashion brand where you have you know all the buyer decisions like if it's say it's like a, a shoe like they one have to like fill different like okay we need like more like black pumps or like yeah. this style they have yeah. like other agendas but then it's also like more curated like when whenever you're making um, a, a product decision on the on the buyer side for a category like intimates what what plays into the decision making and then when you went direct to consumer you know, what, what were you able to do other than the, the full size range that, uh, yeah, without I, the buyers in the middle? I guess I found that, um, so first of all, when we were selling wholesale, we didn't really sell to intimate stores because mm. they did not appreciate the innovation we were bringing to products. Mm. So we sold to more like athleisure, outdoor, like those kinds of places. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you just briefly like explain yeah. like what, what innovation and product means for the brand? Yeah, totally. So the way that we think about product is, um, we, we go and we talk to women and we're like, okay, bras, what do you like about your bras and what do you hate about your bras? Mm-hmm. And then we go and we work on products that remove the things that women don't like. Mm-hmm. So a big pain point for a lot of women are underwires, mm-hmm. as an example, physically and yes. <laughs> emotionally and everything. <laughs> um, so we'll go and we'll engineer a way to create the same support but without underwires. Mm-hmm. Um, when we launched our high-impact sports bra, which is called The Catalyst, we wanted to create the most supportive sports bra, but we also talked to women, okay, like, what do you hate about sports bras? Right. And what we heard was, I hate that I get stuck in it, mm-hmm. like, after a workout. Yeah. And so we worked with a technical university in Munich and their division of sports sciences to make the easiest sports bra to get in and out of. Mm-hmm. So actually me- measuring muscle exertion and how much effort does it take to get in and out of these products. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of our underwear, it's, like, leak-proof underwear, so products that serve a purpose or eliminate the need for another product. Um, so it sort of, it varies product by product. Right. So in these, you know, customer in mind innovations were, were too cutting edge for some, for some retailers. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, especially like the faces I got when we were trying to sell leak proof under people were confused. In our bras, 70% of our bras come from a D cup or higher. Mm-hmm. So when you have retail partners that don't want to carry that size range, they're missing out. Do right. you know what I mean? Right. So um, I found oftentimes they were looking just to fill a hole mm. and it wasn't like what's new and totally different. Right. It was, I need X specifically. Um, right. We'll be right back. 
Want to know the ROI of that new product banner on your homepage? Looking to find out why a recently launched social campaign is not generating the expected revenue? And wouldn't it be great if you could show creative, branding, and even executive teams the impact of a new product video or seasonal campaign in just one click? You can. Content Square is a digital insights platform that helps businesses understand how and why users are interacting with their app, mobile, and websites. They compute billions of touch and mouse movements and provide brands with everything they need to create memorable, converting digital experiences. Find out more at contentsquare.com. Need a little bit more glossy in your life? Then be sure to check out our sister show, The Glossy Beauty Podcast, where each week, Glossy's beauty editor, Priya Rao, sits down with leaders in the beauty and wellness industries. This week, she's joined by Rosemarie Swift, the founder of RMS Beauty. In this episode, Rosemarie discusses how her background as a makeup artist led her to starting one of the first organic makeup lines and what products she's got in the works. You can find new episodes of the Glossy Beauty Podcast every Thursday on Glossy.co or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us any feedback you have. So that means that, you know, the the collection, everything that you have, that kind of works together and it all comes through this lens of innovation to to help solve customer problems as being like picked apart and, and, yeah, and not yeah. being like, I mean, held up for that way. Yeah, they I mean, we were getting added, so it's not I think where the real challenge was, to be honest with you, is no one could communicate how the products were different. Mm-hmm. So you're like, the buyer would get it as we would be talking to them because they would end up buying it, but then to train the sales staff floor to educate them on like how it works, what it means. Right. Things were getting lost in translation. Right. Versus now we get to tell our own stories. Right. I, th- I think storytelling and, and just being able to relay here, especially you when know, you think about all the competition now, like here's yeah. how we differentiate ourselves. Whereas if you're in a department store, you can't expect any salesperson to really grasp it no, firsthand. No. So I remember things where I would go and do like product knowledge sessions across North America. And I would go like first thing in the morning and bring like coffee and snacks and do like these training sessions. Mm-hmm. Remember one occasion I like left my coat or something. Literally did a half hour training session with all these people left, walk back two minutes later, and they're like, hi, can I help you? And I was like, I just talked to you for like <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> Personalization in that level yeah, is not, it's not yeah, great exactly, right yet, at least. Exactly. Uh, so, so now you have you know full control over, yeah. over that customer and what you want them to know about the brand. And so how has that led to how you've built out like a customer acquisition strategy, a digital marketing, performance yeah. marketing strategy, now that you're kind of, you know, next 2.0? Yeah, I think we're really lucky in so far as like all of the products that we make have a very strong reason for being. Mm-hmm. So we're not a fashion company. Mm-hmm. We're more like an essentials company. And so for us, like video storytelling has been the most effective communication tool that we can have. Right. And then um, because of the way that we've always approached our marketing by um, using our customers in our shoots, we do the same thing with our videos. So we end up showcasing it's sort of dual, a dual effort. Like mm-hmm. we communicate the product difference, but then we showcase what it looks like on a wide variety of women. So we just make it easier for people to imagine themselves mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. And that's been something that's been hyper effective for mm-hmm. us. Um, so we spend a lot of time on casting. Like we oh, do nice. like every day in our office, we have women come through because mm-hmm. um, we do customer casting calls. So we're always building out our database. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend a lot of time making video content, right. like a lot, and a lot. And where do you find that those videos perform the best? Mainly on Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. is our most effective tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And has that, have you added to, to that mix? Um, like, uh, like just interested to hear how Facebook and Instagram have, 
you know, kind of evolved yeah. over time? Like, is it as effective as it was maybe at the beginning? Yeah. So, I mean, in the beginning, you know, for sure, CPAs like have gone up. Mm. Um, I think we're a bit fortunate because of the the problem solution focus of our products. Mm-hmm. We've been able to scale with the platform in a way that I, I've heard a lot of other brands can't. Yeah. Um, and especially as we introduce new products that are reaching new targets, mm-hmm. like we've been able to do that quite well. Um, the other thing that we found that's been really effective for us has been this using our customers as our, our models and then turning them into ambassadors and building out like an ambassador program right? where um, they talk about us constantly, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and is that, when you say an ambassador program, is that any sort of like financial arrangement? It's just sort no. of, how does it make it an official, amb- like what makes someone an official ambassador then? They apply mm-hmm. through the brand mm-hmm. um, and then they're vetted and then they join our like private ambassador group. And there's no um, financial like payment involved, but we'll give them like first access to products. We'll have them wear tests. They'll give us feedback, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so there are perks certainly is of being a part of the program. Right. And it's but it's, it's kind of like a loyalty club Plus, to the next to level. the next level. <laughs> right. To the next level. Interesting. Yeah, it's and like diehard Knicks fans, right. basically. <laughs> basically. And, yeah. And that you know I think speaks to the the measures of of success that that brands are, are kind of looking to now like things like word of mouth repeat rates yeah. engagement over time lifetime value yeah. rather than just one-off purchases exactly exactly another shift we made about a year ago was we made this especially through our um own channels we made this decision to stop selling product and to start doing more storytelling mm-hmm. so it's an extension of using our customers in our shoots but you'll see like if you if you go to our Instagram page, we always show a woman and then we feature a quote from her, like how she's feeling about her body or how she thinks are changing. And then the last thing that you'll see will be like, Sarah wears a size seven in the evolution bra. Mm -hmm. Um, And since we've made that shift, our engagement rates on those platforms have gone up astronomically and we see four to five times what our closest competitors see. Oh, wow. So again, it's like moving away from here's a product image, like... Right. This bra costs $55 right, yeah. to like, here's a customer in our bra sharing her point of view on the mm-hmm. world. Right. And it's really changed also. Right. And, and does that engagement rate then lead to sales that like are coming as For a lift? sure it does. Indirectly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Wow. And it leads to like, and when I'm talking about engagement, it's not just likes, it's comments as well. Right. Yeah. Right. So you're about what two, you said two years in since you made the, the switch. The switch, yeah, just over two years. Um, where, where is your next? What's the next move? Are you looking at expanding new product categories? You we've talked about pop ups. Yeah. Have you opened a permanent store? We have not opened a permanent store. We're building out a showroom literally as we speak right now, mm-hmm. connected to our office. Oh, nice. That'll be by appointment only. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna see how that goes. And then our plan this year is to do three to four longer term pop ups. So we've we've done that before, where we've had something for like three months. Mm-hmm hosted a ton of events um, and that's worked really well for us in terms right. of like building community in a local market. Right. So we'll do that a few times. Uh, and, and when you think about how pop-ups can sort of signal, you know, what permanent retail might look yeah. like, how do you make sure you're getting the right takeaways? Because I think to some extent pop-ups have a little bit more like excitement. It might be, you know, if you're in an area like Soho where you're getting a ton of traffic, like yeah. it might be 
the experience that customers have in the traffic and the response might be kind of specific to that very temporary temporary experience. How do yeah. you what do you look for in a store and the way that customers react? that you think can carry over to what permanent retail would look like for the brand? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, thinking through, like this year when we're testing, we'll be testing concepts that we could replicate mm -hmm. versus last year, like we did a 6,000 square foot pop-up where wow. we hosted an entire fitness concept inside of it oh, and wow. like hosted free workout classes every day. Mm -hmm. Like that is not scalable for right. us. Right, that'll get people in. <laughs> it got people in. Right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but you can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to go do that a whole bunch of different places. Right. So uh, not to mention the fact it was a very intimidating building. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so as we look to things this year it's like testing different footprints mm. what's something that's and, and looking at the looking at a lot of the metrics that traditionally you would you would look at you right. know like sales per square foot and like mm -hmm. are you making effective use of this space and monitoring closely like do people come back like mm -hmm. for us I think that's the biggest success that we've seen is that right. the customers that actually get to come and talk to us in real life and attend an event and like learn about something different are more likely to come back right yeah, yeah. and so then that and that kind of says okay here's how we sort of weigh the costs and, and exactly exactly uh, and so you know we're almost out of time but could it ever come full circle? Would you ever go back to wholesale? I don't think I'm going to do it. You know? I don't think so. <laughs> don't think Are they so. still like, reaching out? Yeah, 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 I still have conversations. I totally mm -hmm. still have conversations. I think I learned so much from that first go around, and I still think the story would be broken. Mm -hmm. And so I think for us, that's something that's so important right. and like making sure that you have a true like next brand experience. So, yeah. And I think, you know, because we're seeing other other digital brands yeah, go I know. Target, Nordstrom, um, the places where they're making a clear effort to say, we'll change how we act. I've had those meetings. In, yeah. I've had those meetings. And you're not convinced. You know, and I and I I love I, I personally still shop at a lot of those places, mm -hmm. and I love the experience. I think in the intimates, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. I just think you need so much more handhold support. Like right. you know, you yes. need a lot more. <laughs> it's a pun. Handholding <laughs> and help, and it's not the same as browsing for Reformation dresses and finding the one that you love. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's a bit it's more. more it's a more technical purchase. It is. It's mm -hmm. complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's also. So I don't. I don't think it's something we'll do. We'll do anytime soon. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So continuing to say no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you're you're looking forward to this year or? No. I mean, just continuing to further conversations. So for us, you know, we started in body positivity. We're now as a brand facilitating a lot of conversations around things like fertility, mm -hmm. and so just constantly trying to be the challenger brand that is is furthering the conversations around what it's like to be a woman today. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to do more of that. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. Well, so nice chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. If you've been enjoying the Glossy podcast and aren't a Glossy Plus subscriber yet, it's time to consider joining to get access to all of Glossy's content, member events, ticket discounts, Slack chats, and more. As a reward for listening, use the code Hillary25 at glossy.co slash plus to get 25% off an annual subscription. That's H-I-L-A-R-Y 25 at glossy.co slash plus. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.